0: let's talk digital Yo. we are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks changes transformation a local digital marketing podcast conversing with industry experts and giving excerpts about the exceptional hosted by audrey naidu
1: sit back relax and enjoy i'm really looking forward to what's coming up in south africa in the next couple of months and years How's it everyone and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Digital with myself, Audrey Naidu. Today we are talking about a topic which is both contentious and also in a state of transition within the advertising industry. The traditional FTE commercial model is no longer sustainable to guarantee the survival of agencies now and in the near future. This is due to a number of factors. I mean, COVID and the reduction of media budgets has added pressure to deliver on objectives. The trend towards in-housing models and the lack of skill sets and talent to keep up with the ever-changing pressures. I am joined by two senior leaders within the Group M team, Shanil Singh, newly appointed managing partner at Mediacom, and Julian Mountain, digital director at Group M. And hopefully they can shed some light on the challenges being experienced First-end and our agencies are reviewing their models and structures to remain relevant and operational in the future. Welcome to the podcast guys. Great to have you with us.
0: Hey, Audrey, thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Audrey. Good, Good to connect again.
1: Yeah. You're both joining us from the beautiful city of Cape town. It's really awesome that you've joined the podcast today, and I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have. Before we start, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself?
2: Sure, I'll go for it um uh, hi guys i'm Shanil singh i've been in adland for about seven years now i'm currently the managing partner at mediacom south africa and prior to joining mediacom i was the cso at a local big six agency i am extremely passionate about digital for those that uh, do know me um, it's something that i see as a hobby um, while i do it as a career um, and i've been invested in digital um for quite some time now and i think one of the one of the key takeouts for me is that it's something i get to do and be part of um that's exciting and
0: future focused thanks Chanel. yeah hi i'm julian mountain the digital director of group m south africa i started uh, managing paid search campaigns in the year 2005 sending uh, traffic from Google to eBay. And I always remember trying to explain to my parents what I did and would kind of pull up the logos of these brands, which at the time weren't too well known uh, in South Africa. And both of them had kind of primary color logos and it it all just seemed a little bit trivial. And it was quite a difficult conversation to have. Um, But yeah, it's been a fascinating journey. So I've kind of worked from performance digital um, agencies through to kind of full brand lead, um, you know, large network agencies. And now find myself in, in the fascinating space of media investment and, and looking quite closely at the digital services and the data and technology behind that. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a fascinating career with um, fantastic exposure to various geographies, uh, various countries and, and, and ways of working in an in industry with, a, with an incredible pace of change, where I liken digital years to dog years one year equals seven, uh, just because of the, uh, the simple pace of change and necessary in, in investments in tech required.
1: No, Thanks for that intro, both of you. I think let's start with the, with the topic at hand today. And um, I want to start at the beginning in terms of the impact of COVID that's had on digital agencies in terms of cost pressures. Can you guys maybe take us through that? Uh, we'll start with you, Jules.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's 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 definitely been um, a, a roller coaster. Um, obviously, the the world is going through a very unfortunate and challenging period. Um, but when whenever there are challenges and obstacles, um, I guess there are opportunities. So from a digital perspective, you, you'd kind of expect digital to um, have have shone through. But again, because every, the world is so connected, and and as our marketing and communication channels, um, digital has in some way. Um, been been affected by I guess lack of spend in print um, declining revenues going into out of home TV etc um, you know the, the the kind of pricing challenges are, are ultimately uh, a lot of agencies are are, are still paying rent um, even though work from home is enabled um, yeah there are certain costs that are, are kind of unavoidable but I think what's what, what's quite interesting too is the the frequency of change of forecasting really trying to <laughs> Understand a, um, a, a forecast is very difficult from a marketing director's perspective, but also on the agency side, where you have a portfolio of clients across different verticals. Um, I guess that that kind of forecasting becomes as critical, but also as difficult uh, because you're looking at multiple verticals and 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 a lot of changes. And especially in you know our case, we we do have quite a few global brands which are taking directive from decisions made in kind of North American headquarters. So the recent kind of Facebook boycott. Um, just again add, added another dimension to that um, constantly shifting forecasting and um, tr- tr- trying to figure out what's happening. But ultimately, um, the digital is really proving itself um, as a sustainable high-growth uh, channel and area.
1: Sure,
0: so Audrey. Um, it's funny that you say
2: that. I think while it's a trying time for us, I actually think it's quite an exciting time. And, and why I say that is that it's it's not often that we get to reinvent ourselves. Um, within a brand and agency perspective. And what's exciting about this time is now digital's at the forefront, right? Um, It's something we've been trying to push for the longest time, uh, to have digital as a priority for brand. But given the consumption of our audience in South Africa, digital is actually at the forefront. And what's exciting about this journey is that um, agencies and brands have been pushing themselves in the space. Um, And it becomes an easy conversation to have digital lead um, a lot of the marketing activities. Um, and that's why I'm particularly exciting because a lot of the ventures um, and the topics we've discussed over the years um, and the agendas that we've been pushing as an industry is actually coming into light um, from e-commerce to smart buying to building out performance teams. It's actually the center of growth and this has been an exciting year Um, one because we could work in an agile way um, and become smarter with the way we interact as a team um, and as an agency and secondly we've been getting easier yeses within a brand organization to prove the worth of digital because it is one of the channels um, or it is one of the solutions that we can try and test more given um, the situation that we're currently in
1: yeah from what I'm hearing guys um you know you've you've got focused on digital in terms of uh, a leading channel for your agency. Uh, what happens to you know media holistically because we've seen a decline in your traditional channel and um people are going towards um, spending more on digital the the problem i'm seeing here is how do you actually equip yourself in terms of you know the right um resources and skill sets to support this new model that you're building
0: yeah i mean that, that that's a very interesting question and it definitely keeps us all um thinking all the time i mean that that kind of looks at your your long term um recruitment, um, you know, you kind of need to look at your your, your long-term contracts, I guess, with, with clients as well, as well as your kind of overall strategy and all, are all of those aligned? You know, the, the, the reality we seem to find is that a, a lot of the kind of traditional channels the buying they are still absolutely critical it's just the the, the forecast on the future of the methodology of buying would be changing with the likes of the growth of programmatic audio and, and 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 those so yeah still hugely powerful um channels for the for the for the benefits of awareness and branding um it's just a bit of a, a that kind of Mindset shift in the buying methodology, um, which obviously allows for intelligent audience usage, multiple data signals, and and, and and tracking and reporting, which is ultimately a good thing. But it, it, I mean, it definitely means you do need to shift your, I guess your your overall capabilities and skill sets into a much more of a kind of a data and performance focused area. Um, where you're you, you still kind of optimizing on the fly rather than just kind of running and, and, and showing kind of proof of flight for some traditional channels. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I think every vertical is going to go through lots of experimentin- experimentation and, and changes with dabbling and, and kind of changing weightings across channels. Um, but overall, that, that's positive because that just speaks to continual testing and, and, and refinement. Good point, Jules. I think just
2: to add to that as well, like one of, one of the things we've seen from a resourcing perspective is that we're looking for, for, for resources that are multi-skilled. Um, and what we mean by that they that have hybrid um, solutions that they can offer clients, so a practical example is that if we have someone who 's a search specialist, um, we typically hire one hundred percent FT search specialist. but now uh, when we do go out um, on a recruitment drive, we also look for someone with data analyst expertise, someone who can um, you know particularly solve another uh, another function of the business so in saying that as we know that brands have been um, Uh, changing quite uh, frequently the needs on brand side. Uh, We've been as an agency adapting to that change to make sure that our colleagues are multifaceted, to make sure that we can unlock and shift performance when we need. So the idea that Jules was speaking about, about hybrid teams has been um, a big focus for us at Mediacom specifically, but I think outwardly outside our agency, it has been a big focus in South Africa. We've seen performance teams uh, be at the center of business growth for brands at this time. um, And we've seen resources where many hats So your search specialist is wearing your data hats, and your account director starts dabbling into creative and tech, as an example, because the traditional FTE model is is fundamentally redundant as we're moving over into 2021, 2022. So the fact of the matter is, how can we become agile with that approach? How can we relook at FTEs and add in new skill sets without always selling out of scope work to brands, um, which becomes quite a costly exercise if you, if you look at it from a P&L perspective? So I think that's where we are headed um, as agencies um, and brands. And I think coming back to the resource question, Audrey, I think like, that's a key focus for us now. How do we find colleagues who are hybrid and multi-dimensional that we can bring into an agency and have them use multiple hats depending on brand's needs?
1: Yeah, I think you bring up some interesting points there. I just want to go back to the FTE model. I mean, traditionally, agency fee models tend to be either FTE or commission based. Do you believe either of them demonstrate the true value of services offered? And especially now that you mentioned new services that you're bringing to clients?
2: Thanks, Audrey. Um, that, that's an interesting question. So with the shift from traditional FTE models to performance teams that, that we've been seeing, particularly in media comp, we've been, we've been unlocking growth for our clients by doing just that. So what we've seen is that the FTE model has been redundant we it's not like agencies the reality of the situation is it's not like agencies look into it every six months you know, fix fte is something that we offer our clients when we when we start a partnership to to be like here is the ideal team that we think will fulfill your needs based on your scope of work but as brands change which they do and they evolve rapidly over the last six months as we've seen like the agency model hasn't changed as well the FTE model has stayed the same but what we do as agencies we offer a lot of project and out of scope work But if you look at, if you look at it within an FTE model, we're not even extracting 50% of those teams, uh, those, those team skill sets. And in saying that there, that's where we, that's where I think personally, that we can become better at what we do from an agency perspective, only because we're not, we're not catering for brands needs with the current FTE structure in place and if you have practically again um, a, a team of um, five resources and within those five resources we know that we're running everything from page search social data and analytics you have your typical bud and your account director how much of that value are you extracting during uh, the times that we're in now and from that value that you're extracting, are you getting your money's worth? And in saying that, there, it's, it, it's not often that you see agencies going back to a brand every six months to, to say, here's what your FTE now looks like. This is how we should change it. But if you look at the out-of-scope work that we do charge agencies, um, it, becomes, it, it becomes quite costly, right? Um, and why aren't we looking into solutions like bringing that out-of-scope work within an FTE model? And then dabbling into those hybrid teams that we spoke about so i think the shift um, into ft models uh, from performance teams um, is something that's uh, of particular interest to myself and something that agencies should be looking at at this time
0: yeah i mean chaniel so what you said there's all all good and and, and makes perfect sense uh, you know so from some of our earlier conversations i wonder if the reluctance from agencies broadly within within the marketing communications and tech space are reluctant to take that kind of transparent view with their clients going, hang on, every six months, this is how the FTE model should look, or this is our perceived tra- tra- trajectory of, of how that might need to shift based on your your required business outcomes, might be because of the unwillingness to entertain another kind of discussion with procurement, because then often it goes from a kind of a marketing conversation in the CMO suite, in, and, and then procurement gets added into the mix. Um, where generally in, any opportunity um, is perceived to be uh, well, you know, can we re- reduce FTEs or, or reduce the overall fee? But ultimately that, that, that again speaks to the, the depth and strength of the, of, of the partnership between agency and brand where if, if that relationship is strong and there's a strong partnership that, that, that would be almost encouraged more frequently than six months um, versus the kind of uh, you know brand supply relationship where it probably wouldn't be raised.
2: Yeah, agreed, Jules. And I and I know this. Audrey, we, Jules, and I had um, quite a quite a lengthy um, debate about this. year. and what we've seen is that no one's typically did the exercise, not even in South Africa, around why do agencies get recycled, right? Um, if we think about it, it's just it's just a cyclic uh, kind of uh, it's, it's almost a cyclic approach that no one actually really pinned down um, the exact reasons to why agencies get changed and what does that cycle look like, so that agencies can actually have some output from that there and actually better the way they offer services. If you roll that up, Audrey, there's two points. The first point being that whether a brand um, pays for a team um, within an agency side is important. And what I mean by that, if agencies are fairly compensated, um, if they if they fully paid for the FTE model without procurement, always undercutting what uh, what a good team should look like, that's when we see agencies going above and beyond the call of duty for brands. At least that's what I've seen in the past. And then second to that, you if you actually think about the way uh, brands go up for pitch um, in South Africa, and if you see why agencies are recycled over a two-year period, and think about this, right, over a two-year period, let's just say a tier one brand in South Africa um, goes up for pitch, and um, an agency who's not the incumbent wins the business. In saying that, there, that agency who's not the incumbent, 80% of the time, they don't have the resource to fulfill against a tier one brand. They have to hire 10 um, resources, um, they have to like, uh, cater for quite a few different variances that they promised on pitch day. But in saying that, there, that's when we've seen a lot of agencies actually go on a massive recruiting drive only because they don't have the resources within the business to cater to this massive brand that they've won in the hundreds of millions. And if you think about it, don't you think that's a recipe for disaster? Having resources that you've never worked on, starting a relationship with a brand that you, you, you just brought into your portfolio. And you expect that to, as an agency, to work out. Um, and, and brands also expect that to work out as well without having an agency to commit to resource Um, that's not already within the business. And if we, if we being very real about this here we have the the tier one um, resources within an agency on pitch day, but three months later, do you ever see any of them? Like if we are being quite real, like that expertise we're not tapping into. And if you look at the strategy that's actually presented on pitch day, if you actually distill that down into the creative that the programmatic campaign manager is executing three to four months later, it looks nothing like the strategy that was sold into brand. So if you think about it the the way we kind of recycle agencies and it, the onus is also on brand it's not on agencies that process is fundamentally flawed because if you look at a 24-month period let's just take a 24-month period typically when brands reinvest in another agency or go up for pitch if you look at that period it takes you nothing less than six months or to 12 months to actually understand the business and by the time that that full ft structure understands a business We've seen that brands change, the, change their needs, so we expect an agency to cater for those needs within uh, what, what is it? Another 12 plus five, 12 plus six months, another 18 months, and then within that time period, you're expecting an agency to get things right. But do we know how long it takes for an agency to prove value? Do we know that do we know what an ideal FTE structure should look like and how that should be fluid like those are the things that we're not looking into if you think about it the whole process itself is flawed because we recycle agencies because of the way we hire the way we cater for brand needs the way we staff FTEs um, the way we actually uh, build partnerships with our clients and rolling that back up If you think about a true partnership, like there's very few brands in South Africa that actually have that hybrid partnership between the marketing department and the brand's FTE structure. And I think if you get that process right, that's when you unlock true growth on both agency and brand side.
1: Shanil, I think you've made very valid points Um, and definitely um, I've picked up some of the notes. I mean, based on my experience, I think what you're saying is quite real. So some of the issues that I'm seeing uh, is that traditionally um, agencies are divorced from a a brand's strategic goals of the company. So we're just running campaigns and that's not on. There's a level of accountability. There should be a level of transparency from agencies. And then also agencies getting to know the business. And hence we're having this vicious cycle of churning agencies because we're not building that partnership. And actually agencies, in order for you to become a partner, you actually need to understand the business. And that's for me it's missing you can actually have the best lot of resources or skill sets in the agency but it's never going to work if you actually don't get closer and, and deliver on those objectives or goals that the brand has set out for for agencies to deliver on
0: just a point on that I, I, I agree whole, wholeheartedly in that and really the the fact that a partnership is always a two-way street of transparency both ways and from an agency perspective having a full understanding of the, um the brand's goals business objectives marketing objectives etc but increasingly in a you know it, in a kind of digitally led environment um that that two-way transparency needs to be almost or as close to real time as possible where there's as much sharing of data and business outcomes which really allows the agency to um deliver do its job and and optimize and and kind of zig when competitors are zagging so yeah that 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 um Understanding of the the business is critical, but that shouldn't just be seen as a really deep entrenched onboarding of a new agency. It should also be that but also extended into kind of um, real-time sharing of of critical business data, which is ultimately what the agency is hired to help transform. And I think
2: just to add to that Jules, Audrey, if you think about let's paint this picture right imagine every tier one and tier two brands, and when I mean tier one and, I, and tier two, every, let's just say 50 to 100 million rand and above brand in South Africa decides to, and that's marketing budget, decides to in-house all activity. What value can an agency actually offer? So if all the all the buying strategy and planning um, is moved in-house, do you think that 50% of South African agencies can still survive? And the answer is no, right? Like we are not doing things that are different and better as agencies. We are not reinventing our scope of work. We are not, we are not looking into services that are future focused because ideally where we should be looking and what's actually happening is that brands, because the penny is quite tight, are insourcing a lot of activity. If not now, they're already looking at, the, at that in-house. Like that's an option because it makes commercial sense, right? So in saying that there, knowing that that is a almost guaranteed fact, with quite a few brands in South Africa, and that's the journey that they're going to go on. Because we see the trajectory, right? Not all brands are going to do it because they still believe in the agency model, but quite a few brands that I've seen personally are embarking on that journey. What can we offer them as an agency if we do paint that picture? Like as an agency, the model will fundamentally be flawed. Like We won't be able to survive as an agency. We'll have to retrench close to 70% of our staff if we're being quite transparent. So why have we not yet looked into services that we can offer to complement a brand's in-housing activity? Everyone uses the word consulting, but how many agencies can actually offer a tangible solution that shows a quantifiable business outcome to a brand and actually say, I am contributing to your media buying and strategy that you are taking in-house? And that, that little nugget there, Audrey, is where magic happens, right? That's where we've seen the success of uh, a lot of agencies and brands getting it right. And for me, that's how you unlock a true partnership.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are seeing that consultants are actually evading you guys' territory, if you think about it, and stealing some of your revenue uh, from brands. And, And the reason for that is maybe because your point is having those strategic conversations with with your partners and brands is critical up front but i mean Jules made a very valid point up front it's that this relationship or or this transaction between brand and agency has always been procurement led and how do you actually change that mindset and and build a new model that is built on a partnership because if it's if it's constantly Going to be procurement-led. Nothing is going to change for it to become a partnership. It's going to be a transactional, just a transactional contract.
0: Good point. I mean, in, in, in some cases, and if if you look from an, kind of an, an an agency managing a portfolio of client perspectives, um, you you are going to ideally have some some kind of uh, strong partnerships and other more maybe output or task-based kind of um, clients in your portfolio. And that that's all good and well, but in terms of the kind of pr- procurement conversation, um, you know, the there definitely needs to be alignment more on the um, brand side with uh, procurement and and ultimately the goal of procurement. Procurement is a critical function, without a doubt, um, in in all areas um, of, of of any budget management. Um, but yeah, like if if. Ultimately, a partnership is going to be strong between agency and clients. There, there should be a strong drive to an outcomes based And that outcomes generally is only going to work well when um, there is kind of strong alignment on the, the ultimate business ob- objective and, and, and helping kind of build that, that, that sort of outcomes model and even the remuneration around those outcomes, whether it's a pure outcome-based model or some sort of a hybrid, hybrid um, variant of that. So yeah, I mean I th- there's, there are many ways to skin it, but I think getting procurements involved in uh, more kind of marketing take and data conversations more more frequently would would, would definitely help. So there, there's a bit of a broader understanding of what, what what's required to ultimately deliver the business outcomes. And then or to just a point on um, your, your 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 mention on the kind of consultancies and and I guess their their kind of the perceived growth in in the industry. Um, I guess because marketing is changing so quickly, uh, especially around data, tech and digital, um, scopes have increased, some scopes have have, have shrunk. And there's definitely a a lot of overlap in kind of services, but I I feel strongly that the FTE model, which has been replaced or has kind of been recycled for, for so long, has in many ways inhibited many agencies from actually innovating because that FTE model by its very nature doesn't really facilitate innovation. I feel that's a a bit of a a weight around agencies' necks that that really needs to be shrugged off um, to kind of um, allow for a future-proofing solution. Jules, you, you make a good point speaking about procurement.
2: Let's think about this, right? If you had a local businessman, and I know this is a weird scenario, if you had a local businessman and that local businessman had to go to his accountant and ask his accountant who the best dentist and lawyer is that I should use, his accountant would look at the cheapest fees, find out what's the most affordable according to his budget and say, this is the best lawyer and this is the best doctor and, uh, that, I, that I should go ahead with. And in the same way, that's what procurement is doing in brand side, right? Like if you ask procurement, who's the best agency for me, they're going to look at the fees and say, this is the best agency because this is what's cost effective to the business. But let's be real, will that businessman ever use the cheapest doctor or the, or the cheapest lawyer? No, because they want the best results. So in saying that there, that's where we've seen procurement kind of get it wrong in my opinion, uh, because they're not looking for the best outcomes. And if you're truly looking for someone to grow your business, you would go with the premium option only because you would know that you would get the direct return on investment results from that choice, right? So that's where procurement could get a lot better at making decisions. And I think you can't take an agency um, at face value based on um, how much they charge um, and have that decision determine how 250 million rand should be spent over an annum. I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done at a brand side. And I know we've spoken about agencies uh, over, this, uh, over this conversation, but in saying that they're on the other side of the fence, brands also need to be accountable because they're not making it easier for premium agencies to bring their, their, their tier one resources to bring in the the highly skilled individuals within the agency to be part of the business. I think that's where we can get better as brands in South Africa as well.
1: Look, I have a view around um, value and pricing of skills, because for me, it shouldn't be around like, I mean, this is why the FTE model is broken. We pay hourly rate for resources, whereas we should be paying a rate for that project. So in terms of delivery of a particular project from beginning to end, we should be costed out on projects, which makes more sense instead of just paying hourly rate. So the way I see it, it should be a layered pricing structure. So when I say layered, there's operational media costs for buying media or whatever. I mean, you've you've got a full on team that run the day to day operational campaigns for media. Then you should have another layer of skill sets or team. And I mean, when we spoke about it previously, we mentioned this, um, the human capital at the center where you have all of the different skill sets and multidisciplinary teams and how they work together. And then you should be costing for them on projects. So I just think there's another way to to actually think about this in terms of the new model. And you guys mentioned opportunities that arise. How do you actually strategically structure and position yourself as a thought leader in the industry? The other gap I'm finding is that where's the role of creative in a media house? Because surely um, brands are now looking for a one stop solution.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, especially to, to, to answer your your point about the one stop solution. I mean, we, we're definitely seeing that um, certainly regionally and globally where there, are, there, there do seem to be a, a, a large number of kind of agency network pitches. Um, where ultimately the, you know, clients are, are looking for kind of one global marketing partnership, which would cover media, creative, um, public relations, technology, all, all, all kind of bundled in, in, into one, one agency, I guess, or, or, or one agency collective. Um, you know, and that does kind of go back, you know, it's almost like history repeating itself in a way where you know many years ago um media was part of the creative agencies and then that kind of unbundled and there's it coming back together um i think there is no one size fits all but there is an absolute absolute need for creative and media to be um closer aligned especially when you look at i mean i kind of referenced it earlier the kind of change of um, buying models in traditional media where that that pace of change a/B test to do lots of dynamic creative based on audiences across multiple channels um the, the, the time for that is now so to have that divide between um media and and um creative um can can prove to be a bit of a challenge but again there, there's no one size fits all but i believe um brands do need to at least explore um, that, that kind of union because that does kind of drive a partnership because if you do go to that kind of outcomes model and if you have a um, separate um, creative and media agency, both on an outcomes-based model, how do you determine um, who drove the outcome? <laughs> was it an incredible creative messaging or was it really efficient and smart media, media planning and buying, or was it a combination of both? Um, and, and then kind of how do you determine that? So there is a lot of thinking um, and, and requirements re- requirements built in, into that sort of a model, um, but yeah, an, an interesting space
1: yeah i mean uh jules you you make a very valid point I mean if you look at tech and automation of creative um this you cannot be agile if you ha if you're waiting on creative material from your creative agency and media is just sitting and waiting i mean um that's not gonna work um you you do need for them to start working closely together and unfortunately uh the model the structure is broken. Um, And until we get that right, I don't see this changing.
2: Yeah, agreed. And I think just to add to that, Audrey, I was fortunate enough to help found a media agency out of a creative um, agency. So we had um, an operation out of Stellenbosch where uh, I know we spoke about me um, founding the data and media activation agency alongside uh, my mentor, uh, ex-boss Phil Fisma. Um, and in saying that day, what we uncovered was quite special, right? I had four to five creatives sitting behind me developing creative as we had our campaign management team executing campaigns. So changing creative for us became very easy. We could, we could step out of our desk, walk behind us and tell the creative this is working and this is not working. And that's when we have unlocked uh, immense amount of value. And that's before we were having the creative conversation in South Africa. This was... Four to five years ago where we where creative was almost like second to good media buying but if you think about it like 50 percent of your results is dependent on creative if you have creative that's distilled comes from a distilled strategy you're never going to unlock the value that you need so you spend mega millions on this awesome creative idea shooting um, you know a tier one video um cutting that down into youtube pre-rolls Um, cutting that down into your standard IAB assets, cutting that down into your Facebook assets. But when you actually plug in those campaigns into our uh, ad tech systems, you actually don't get good results because it looks very different from what the brand messaging should be. And we don't take into account what actually resonates with our users. So how we got agile with the approach was by doing just that, running media next to creative and quite literally, and where I've seen that I've seen an agency get it right is at Mediacom. We have a unit called Mediacom Beyond Advertising, focused purely on our creative and bespoke offerings. And what that allows us to do is have a creative director sit alongside our performance strategist and build out work that is very special. And when we're building out those assets and when we're getting into those creative, conceptual thinking, we have a performance strategist who's focused on pure digital, who understands everything from return on investment end-to-end tracking, leading those creative conversations with the creative director, and that's when we've got to unlock real value for our clients. And when that creative is actually skinned down to the assets that a brand pays for, we see the message still intact. So that hasn't been distilled. And that media buying happens right next to the creative department, literally the desk behind it. And that's when we've seen that agile team approach. And I'd like to call it uh, a performance hub. That's when we've seen those growth teams, that performance hub, unlock real value for the brands that we do work with.
1: I think, you know what, we've we've spoken about a number of challenges. We've also spoken about a number of opportunities. And I mean, the, the whole idea of this conversation is just to bring to the fore some of the challenges being experienced in the industry How can we have real conversations around it and possibly what type of solutions we should consider for the future? So if you had to sum it up, what would be your top two um, real opportunities or ideas that you can bring to the table to change this this legacy approach to agency and brands uh, becoming more strategic partners in the future?
0: good question audrey i mean there there's so many moving parts to to our industry um but in terms of getting it right i i would say firstly we need to work quicker and um more collaboratively to speed up execution and reliance on machine learning and artificial intelligence to take out some of the grunt work which to be honest um has for, for quite some time, in, in, in a way, been inhibited by the, the, the FTE model. So, that's the first piece. If you can actually deliver efficiencies and savings using um, really intelligent kind of m- m- machine learning, um, that will basically allow for the second piece, which is for agencies to move further upstream. Beyond just marketing, into the actual business and business objectives on on, on the kind of brand and client side, um, whether that's through in-housing or just more of a kind of a time and budget allocation into deep strategic and kind of problem-solving thinking, I think those would be the two areas where that incredible problem-solving and more 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 depth and and strategic thinking is um, supported. Um, by an area that procurement would love, which is more efficient uh, d- d- delivery, execution and, and optimization. Th- th- those would be my two areas. I look really forward to exploring further. I think from my side, uh,
2: the the two I would say guiding principles will be one, focus on growth teams. So how you can unlock value for your brands by building out teams that are fluid, uh, building out teams that are agile um, and teams that are hybrid and multifunctional. So how can you quickly flip the switch on the team and have them fulfill um, another need while still being able to understand the business? And I would say second to that, um, brands and agencies should pay attention to digital maturity. I think that would, for me, would probably be the the biggest guiding principle. And in saying that, I would change the mindset of digital maturity that is currently not a top priority at senior stakeholder level within an organization in South Africa. I think that's, that is, is something that I'm personally working towards um, with the brands that we, we work with. Um, Fortunately enough that um, a lot of them are on board this journey, but building out that roadmap um, is something I would say should be a guiding principle for brands and agencies um, over the next uh, three years.
1: I love the ideas coming out from you guys i think that if you actually had to put this onto paper and start to test and build use case around it we we all know that this environment or ecosystem is not going to change overnight it's going to have to come with time it's going to have to come with uh creating value for both parties and then finding your feet in terms of what is the middle ground and and where you should be playing at in the future so i think it's quite an exciting space we don't have the answers but i would also welcome you know our listeners um listening to the podcast today is to share your ideas on on the social media platforms you know uh with us guys let's have a conversation around it and and send your ideas through so that we can actually put together some kind of roadmap for the future So thanks, guys, for your time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. I think it was very thought-provoking and stimulating, certainly something that we can use going forward.
0: Thank you, Audrey. Thank you for having us. Likewise. Thank you very much.
1: Okay. Take care.
0: We're excited. You're excited.
1: I really value and appreciate your support during this
0: time. Helping decision-makers navigate the change and to keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at talkdigitalza. Engage us on our website at talkdigitalza.co.za. And
1: who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.